Hey everyone, what is customer intelligence? We keep seeing that definitely in my tech stack. What does it really mean? What is the difference between customer intelligence to customer success? And why and or how can we use customer intelligence to drive upsell revenues? So today it's going to be a mix about customer intelligence and how to drive upsell revenues using customer intelligence. So if you're curious about either one, all right, stay tuned. We're coming right up with all the answers. Ezips here from CSM Practice, the customer success strategy consulting firm. And today I have invited Mary Poppin, Chief Strategy and Customer Officer at Involve AI, and Gaurav Bhattacharya, the CEO and co-founder of Involve AI, who are experts on customer intelligence and, of course, have a lot of experience helping a ton of companies drive upsells through customer intelligence. So super excited to have both. And, you know, this is such an important topic because with customer intelligence, you can actually leverage what we call artificial intelligence. And I know everybody's like rolling their eyes, like really, really, really. We can actually see some examples today of what does that mean? So if you were a skeptic till now, this is your chance to really see what this means. So next time somebody throws us this terminology at you, you could say, well, yeah, actually, I've seen exactly how this works. So thank you, Guarv and Mary, for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Arit. Yeah, thank you for having us. We're really excited. I'm excited too. I think that there's like such involvement in the technology today towards leveraging data in a much more sophisticated way. And the old tools, you know, like the traditional customer technologies of today have not yet embraced that. So we're really sort of like depending on new solutions that are coming into the technology market to help customer success teams and revenue teams to drive upsell through customer data. First of all, for those that are not really familiar with everything, what are some of the typical leading indicators to upsell revenues? Some of the key indicators that we've specifically worked with our customers on, one is expected time to value. What's interesting here is it's not first time to value, which generally is defined by the provider, right? Whoever's providing the product or service. So if you get the environment set up or things like that, this is really about why the customer purchased and the value they're expecting to see. So how quickly can you get them that value? So we know that we all kind of should be tracking time to first value delivered, but you said a couple of things. Expected value is what I signed up for initially. So this would be my ultimate value or the value that I most desire as a customer. This would be the success criteria indicators that are established hopefully, during the sales process and then carried over into the kickoff and ultimately the value reviews that occur with the customer or should be occurring. And it's an opportunity to weave that the value thread through. But the time to expected value is generally post-onboarding. And when the customer has established the success criteria of, let's say, saving two customers in the quarter following go live, 
that's something you can track and measure and go back to the customer and show the ROI. I have customers that tell me all the time, they just give us technical specs. They would not talk to us about, you know, maybe at a high level, we understand what the business outcome is, but they certainly are not going to share, you know, how much revenue they got out of embedding our data into their system or, you know, how much time they saved for their employees for this process since they started using the solution. Sometimes customers don't share and certainly like the expected value sounds like a very manual process. So is this something that you're expecting companies to start tracking more diligently? And is this a manually updated metric? It is challenging to track, especially if it isn't defined in light of agreeable, measurable success criteria. Getting the customer to define in partnership, what are we trying to accomplish together at the end of getting our solution implemented and being able to, if at all possible, quantify it. But we also look for sentiment and for qualitative data related to this. So are they able to articulate the value during the value review? Are they able to talk about the adoption or change in customer-centric culture? Things like that can also play into this expected value. And so the qualitative piece and be able to capture that and measure that in alignment with success of the product is something that we've been able to tie for some customers. But you're right, Arita, it is challenging to measure, but should be something that is discussed during the sales process but for sure during implementation and then revisited during the value reviews. And as much as you can quantify the outcome, it gets easier to correlate and track to success and to expansion. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like a very much like something that you can track for high touch. Product-led companies can expect to be able to track that as well. Yeah, the product-led should have very quantifiable success outcomes through the customer journey, right? Because you actually don't have the high touch check-ins to follow up and be able to get sort of a verbal indication that the customer is happy or that expectations are met. And so you do need to track through the product, the user experience and the use case to see if it's actually working. So actually the product that is probably easier in terms of the time to expected value. We've also found product adoption trends, of course, are very important, but if they're not defined in light of use cases and best practices, then you're essentially guessing at what product adoption should look like. So it's really important to understand the cyclicity of your product. Do you expect people to log in every day, every week, et cetera? So super important. But once you nail what's expected, these can be trend indicators for upsell pretty rapidly. Don't just track how many logins or percentage of usage. Track what is the expected journey that they should be having? And then are they trending along the expected journey? Did I get that right? Yeah, absolutely. What we've seen with some of our customers is without a well-defined expectation for cyclicity or how often not only specific end users, but like executives log in as well. It's hard to gain insights from what you're not measuring accurately, right? So starting at the beginning and defining what are those roles and the use cases you expect to see from the product, you know, give that indication then of the true kind of value proposition at the end. A lot of times what we've seen with customers is that you'll see a spike in product adoption, which they consider to be a good thing. But actually, at the end of the day, that customer churned. And it was that kind of unexpected 
spike where the customer was downloading a bunch of data and reports and had selected another provider, but they didn't really pay attention to that as a risk flag. Support volume plus severity. So what's interesting is a lot of times we think a high volume of support tickets is a bad thing, but that is not always the case, especially we've seen higher support volume with low to, to medium severity is actually, in many cases for our customers, a key indicator that customers are wanting to adapt, that they're engaged. And so we've actually seen that be a great indicator as well as expansion opportunity. And finally, referenceability. One of the key mistakes I think that I see is that companies tend to assume if the project admin or project manager is happy and referenceable, that the decision maker is as well. And we have found that is not always the case. It's actually the decision maker referenceability that is the key leading indicator of expansion. Wow. Okay. I was not expecting these key metrics, but I think one thing that shows up is that if I wanted to start from somewhere, this would be a great place to start. Like just checking in, do I have access to this data? Okay. So suppose now I'm the company that wanted to kind of have this upsell score so I can know, you know, out of my 10, 15,000 customers, what should I be doing when score goes up. So I have all this data consolidated into one place, hopefully all of it, or at least some of it. What are some of the action items that I can actually create when I see these trends going in a favorable way to drive upsell revenues? Exactly to your point, Arit, insights are great, but actionable insights are better, which means being able to correlate data, to see trends in data, allow you to understand not only what's happening, but what do you do about it? So some of these key indicators, such as the referenceability of the account is not at the decision maker level. You can actually establish you know, a trigger or an action that tells the CSM or the account manager exactly what to do. Follow up with Robert next week to get executive buy-in. And so this is something that the AI, as you mentioned earlier, can actually do based on millions of combinations of data, identify based on patterns, what is the right action to take at the right time with the right individual? Get this granular. In business intelligence, we'll just see reports, graphs, maybe get derived metric like an upsell score, but it wouldn't tell me exactly what I need to be doing. Is that the big difference between business intelligence and customer intelligence, where customer intelligence will actually create a task or an action item that I need to follow up on and it's going to be very specific? That is exactly what we feel the value of machine learning and AI can add is we're constantly learning. Now, let's say we have all the data, we have insights about a customer. Going back to the example you were presenting, we captured the data. Now we have visibility. We can also get visibility by looking at the historical analysis and understanding what are the key indicators of churn and upsell. So let's say for your customer, we found that it's a product-led growth motion or at least for the PLG motion, we found that every time a customer goes from five projects to three projects and they go from daily active to weekly active usage, there's a really good chance that the customer can expand, for example. But every time that it goes from, let's say in the beginning, in the first three months, we have high number of low severity tickets. Maybe that's a great indicator of expansion opportunities. Now, every time that happens for an account, the AI can go and proactively add action items for the CSM, for the account manager saying, these are the customers you need to follow up on. And this is exactly step-by-step -step what you need to do. Now, 
that would be based on best practices from the industry. What are others doing? What are other SaaS companies doing? But it can also combine the playbooks and CTAs and all the learnings from the history of what we have done as a company. And also then can constantly learn based on, let's say the CSM did the action. They followed up with Robert for an expansion opportunity, found out Robert's actually not the decision maker for this new upsell product that they're trying to sell. Whatever the learnings are going to be, there's going to be a feedback loop and AI can learn from it. Whereas in business intelligence, what ends up happening, Irid, is the team has become really reactive instead of being proactive. They have to reactively go and look at reports and try to really figure out, okay, what's going on here? Like which account should we focus on? What is the data saying? The difference is you can learn from the data and proactively disseminate information and actions that is impossible to do by looking at a static report, by just looking at which customers are doing what, and then really understanding what to do about it. That is the biggest difference. The second difference is the recommendations can be disseminated based on best practices and also based on learnings about the customer. So if we have data about the customer and what happened in the history, we can constantly learn from what has worked in the past and what hasn't. And those are the recommendations and the actions. That's what AI can do versus just looking at static reports. Maybe we can see some examples of, you know, customers that maybe you had been working with. Did they create an upsell score? You actually have a health score, but that's very similar to what other customer success tools are doing. Mm-hmm. Can you create an upsell score, a churn score? Like, how does that work? Looking at the history. What we would do is we would come up with a segmentation analysis of what the health score comprises of. So what we would do is we would look at the history and say, we'd look at revenue, product usage, not strong metrics, could be interaction frequency. How often do we get on the phone, email, call, support tickets, severity of support tickets. We identify it across multiple kind of campaigns. And then once we do that, we would come up with, okay, what is an expansion profile or an upsell profile look like? When a customer in SMB exhibit behaviors A, B, and C, that's when they expand, when they in mid-market, similar with enterprise, and we can kind of slice and dice it by different regions and geography. Once we do that, then it goes back to kind of an automated health dashboard, which is really looking at, okay, what's going on with all customers? And if I look at all the top opportunities, so a customer success manager, an account manager either gets an email or they get prioritized accounts on what are the top accounts with the highest expansion score where they can go in and take action. Now, if I pick on a customer, this is where AI comes in. We'll show you that, okay, Amazon as an account is going up in health and it's trending upwards. And what are going to be some of the action items related to it? So if I look at Amazon, we're saying that, okay, product usage is increasing. The user logins are at 697. They're really high sessions and the customer is nearing a limit of its contract, this is probably a perfect expansion opportunity. So the AI is going in and tagging and telling what are the different indicators and then what should be best practices and actions. These are accepted, but I can go in and as a customer success manager AM, I can quickly convert it to a task. I can put it in my workspace. I can send it to maybe a CS platform like Gainsight to Tango, Turn Zero. I can send it to Salesforce, but really have this in my daily workflow. But these are intelligent insights that would help you say, Hey, Amazon's an upsell account. They've been growing, going up. They're reaching a contract limit. Reach out to Stephanie. This is the perfect expansion opportunity. And here's how you should tackle it. That's what we would do. I think these are very appropriate. If I am a SaaS company and I have a single product, this Mm -hmm. is what I expect. Based on my experience, when we deal with larger, more incumbent companies that are more traditional, that grew in the last 30, 40 years through M&As, 
<laughs> we would expect something like account A is using products B and C yeah. based on historical data. You should be offering product D. And I also don't see like a score for an upsell specifically. Are these things that you actually do with some of your customers as well? Yeah. So the way that we do it right now, Erit, is we have a cutoff for a score usually, and it's different for each company. For example, for one of our customers, SEM Rush, we found that every time a customer is above 84%, that's when it becomes an upsell score. And every time it's below 33%, mm. that's a churn score. So we just tag it make it available for the customer. And that's how they can slice and dice their data. For a more complex environment, it definitely gets tricky. Cross-sell becomes a big part of the game too. For one of our customers, TrustArc, we found that every time a customer mentions the new China policy in their verbiage, because that's a perfect trigger for an expansion opportunity for them being a security company. Those are the things that we're constantly looking for. The AI can easily get trained based on your data, based on your environment. The complexity, it's easier to handle it with AI than doing it with data science consultants or doing with your data science team because it's faster analysis of data. AI can analyze almost 2 million data points every second, and that could take 14 to 15 business days for an analyst to go through. That's kind of what the analysis can do. This is just an easier view, but we can show hierarchies and we can show inside Amazon. There's 20 opportunities. Four of those opportunities are already bought product A, but they haven't bought product B, but they have mentioned that the problem that product B solves has been mentioned again and again, and that's the perfect cross-sell opportunity as an example. How much of a human power do you have behind this to actually assess if the algorithm is correct? Is the algorithm changing automatically or is this something that you just set up to update with the customer on an ongoing basis? Because it does sound like some of these recommendations are based on tribal knowledge. One of the things that we're focused on is data science as a service, which is really the opportunity to not only shape the original algorithm using the historical data, but the go forward as the business changes and transforms and as CSMs and account managers and others take action, the model needs to be updated, right? And so the predictions that the models are making need to be told whether they're accurate or not ongoing as well. And if they're not, why? And so we really rely on our customers to also help give feedback on the models. And then we have semi-supervised models. We actually have humans that are looking at the feedback and looking at the differences in the data algorithm and in, and in the correlations to determine when the model needs to be updated as well. So it is auto learning and it's also being infused with some human intervention from our data science team. Wow. Okay. So we talked about using customer intelligence for upsell revenues and for churn. Are there any other use cases that you're seeing companies leveraging these customer intelligence to solve for? Yeah, absolutely. So proactively preventing churn. Uh, so I'll throw out the word proactively as well, because we've had customers basically say, I don't want to be surprised by churn anymore. And so that proactive churn prevention is possible. Improving productivity and scale of delivery across segments. And how it does it is the models will get smarter over time with making recommendations for action that will actually help the team scale and take priority action more rapidly. So you'll find over time, the teams can become more strategic. And also you'll need to add fewer heads from a gearing ratio perspective over time. Increasing personalized actions. 
So for customer specific needs, you can start to get very personalized customer by customer. You're actually going to increase your innovation that way as well, because you'll have more customer use cases in which to build the innovation of the product or service. And then ultimately, the holy grail is getting to prediction the ability to really get out ahead of the customer trends and start to predict what is going to happen so you can start to really take proactive action early. And as models get smarter and smarter, prediction actually becomes a reality. Ultimately, Eri, where we want to get to, to add to what Mary's saying, we want to build a vision where there's so much customer data Can we now understand what to do next with your business? What is working at the same time and what is not working? Our thesis is, hey, when a company starts, you're very close to your business and your customer. If you think about when you first started, maybe your practice, you knew your handful of customers and you're very close to them. But let's say you add a thousand customers, then it becomes 10,000 customers. You're further and further away from knowing what your customers are saying and doing. And it's only the frontline teams that have access to that knowledge. What we're really trying to do is democratize this information and make it available for everybody. As a start, it's available for customer success managers and customer teams to be more proactive and data-driven to prevent churn and increase upsells. But in the future, it might also be available for marketing teams to understand what is the messaging that's working? What is the voice of the customer? What are they talking about? Product teams to understand, hey, what can we do with this data to build better products, build better services? Which features should we prioritize and which ones people are not using at all that they don't care about? And really understanding how do we take this data that's already available? It's unstructured, messy. Can we clean it, organize, tag it? make it available for everybody to make data-driven decisions inside the company. And that's the future that we see with a technology like customer intelligence. That's awesome. So your roadmap for your like vision for customer intelligence right now, it's sort of analyzing the historical data per account. For product-led companies, are you looking to do the same at the user level eventually? We do. We already do it at the user level. So for product-led companies, we can analyze users separately, tag them as individual opportunities. They can be located by bigger accounts. An example that I can think of is a customer that we started working with called Revel Systems. They have multiple restaurants and the way that the company works is that they work with big organizations that have maybe, let's say, 4,000 restaurants and each restaurant can have a different owner that can also have different restaurants that they're not associated with. So each user can also be an opportunity or an account separately. I think anybody that looks for like a digital customer success engagement, this kind of opens up a lot more new opportunities than before. Just in general, my main takeaway is that the more data you have, the more customers you have, the more users you have, the bigger the ROI is. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say absolutely. I think for bigger companies that have historical data, this is, there's a gold mine. For younger companies that don't have enough data, they may not be able to learn as much as from their own history, but they can utilize the best practices of some of the top best companies, could be product-like companies, could be either tech-touch companies or companies that are really rely on big ticket, high touch models. There's best practices for each that you can leverage. Instead of hiring really expensive consultants, maybe there's an opportunity to learn from data if you want to just begin with and and start something small. If you had to pinpoint the one thing that separates you from a traditional customer success solution, what would that be? To me, it's really the opportunity to take insights and create action and put you know, more in the hands of the customer teams to be heroes because you're allowing them to know exact 
action to take to be proactive and get ahead of customer needs. But Mary, most customer success solutions actually have rules in place to create an action item for a customer success manager based on data. So maybe you can distill the difference for me. How do you see it? Because you use both. So I know you understand this. Yeah, the big difference, thanks, Arit, is between anecdotal sort of gut-driven mm-hmm. scoring and expectations of customer behavior, also needing to create that by segment instead of by customer. The difference for us is that we are looking at data driven health that is personalized for each customer. It's basically personalized playbooks for every customer is what the AI allows you to drive. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is with a traditional customer success solution, I'm going to have a gut feeling that all customers that have a high level of tickets with very high priority or outages are going to be at high risk. And so I'm going to create a call to action regardless of the segment or you know, specificity of an account. Whereas with AI, I have the opportunity to say, well, traditionally for this account, did we see a lower satisfaction rate or do we see upsells happen after a certain historical behavior or for that cohort of customers, I see a certain trend. Now I can be a little bit more specific and personalized with that account. That's exactly right. Well said. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Cara? For me, the way that I describe it is almost saying goodbye to opinions and gut and introducing what is actually happening with the data, making sure that it's always updated, it's refreshed, and it's what the reality is. And that's kind of what we are adding as a layer. We are trying to be a tech agnostic platform. We work with a lot of customers that already have a CS platform, and then we kind of become that brain for them to just keeping them, helping them update their CTAs with data and how do we help them have the best call to action, best playbooks. We also work with customers that don't have CS platforms and really help them discover for the first time what their key indicators are for upsells specifically. Mm. Okay, so constantly finding new metrics and KPIs that are important for customers' health or upsell opportunities, constantly adjusting the rules by which activities and tasks for customer success managers are created and even what should the call to action be? Yeah. What is the, the activity that we should assign a CSM? So if we created a playbook that doesn't work, you're going to flag that out and say, hey, this needs adjustments, et cetera. So you're actually creating intelligence over whatever data the customer success tools are already gotcha. producing. Perfectly yes, described. Well, everyone, if you wanted to see a little bit more of how Involve AI works, do schedule a demo with them. It's a young startup, but they're up and coming. The reason I reached out to them is because I heard it. Hey, you have to talk to this company. They just installed Involve AI and started using it. And they had raging reviews and good things to say about working with Involve AI. And I was like, hey, we got to have a session so that everybody understands what you guys do and what you bring to the market. So I want to thank Mary and Guara for your time today and for sharing your vision and your innovative technology and what you bring to the customer success community. 